When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. The topic then, obviously tonight's topic is around... um, question that was put to me in terms of the you know the importance of repetitions and whether we should be focused on higher quality or higher numbers um you know what are your thoughts on that and maybe we can kind of delve from there yeah so obviously it's a interesting topic and i don't think it's necessarily black or white but one thing that i'm going to throw out there as a, as a little <laughs> something to spark curiosity would be when we're talking about repetitions do we want within our practice design or even some of the environments that we create repetition with repetition or are we looking for repetition without repetition? Because obviously repetition without repetition would provide difference. So you've got individual differences that we should consider anyway within every match day or training environment. We're obviously going to consider that we can create varied experiences. So players are getting opportunities to make decisions, solve problems under different changing circumstances, well, that's the game. So put them in scenarios where they're going to get different, varied, random situations with pressure from behind, around, to side, so on, different types of threat on the ball. And that'll give them an opportunity to come up with their own different types of solutions. And I think with that, it sort of leads into that quality or quantity because I've often, you know, designed practices, if we take that as an example, and I've done training sessions where we might only be working for 60 minutes, 40 minutes. 
but we've probably got more done in those minutes than perhaps even in 90 minutes. And I'd often ask that question to anyone listening is, you know, how much of your, your time, if you take a training session, how much of that time is, is time well spent or we're just filling space? You know, so how can we really ensure that whatever we're doing, we're providing an opportunity where players can get an opportunity to work on what they need to work on, gain confidence, because in order to be competent, you must first be confident to develop the, the, the confidence to find solutions to their own problems. But then balancing that quality with quantity, you know, how much, how many, how long can you spend on something? Is it better to go shorter and sharper? Where does it, you know, depends on what you're working on. You can work on obviously other qualities if you want to really stretch them and, and stress stress them physically, mentally, whatever it may be. You know, it might make more sense to go for longer periods. It just depends. But I think it's an interesting debate. Um, and I think perhaps there's an argument that we're often focusing a lot on quantity and frequency, but how much quality is spent in that that episode, right? Which is take, you know, a singular training session or a singular match. How can we see that as an opportunity to design a learning experience for the players and make it so that it's quality, you know, and, and manage the quantity right for them. Open to any thoughts people have got. I think really importantly, obviously, you know, one of the things that you started off with at the right at the top of that is, you know, not just filling space. And I think it's really important. So I think, you know, just to kind of highlight on, you know, maybe I share an experience. I remember I delivered a session once with a, uh, with a group of players. In fact, it was it was part of a trial session at a, at a particular club, which I won't name. Um, and the role was around, a bit, you know, doing individual development work with uh, with players. And the session was a little bit start-stop, but actually the detail that we were talking about within the repetitions allowed the player to deliver on a high higher quality in my opinion of repetitions than focusing on the number but the feedback was around actually the session was a bit too slow we need more we need more work we need them working harder we need them working harder I'm thinking well you can work hard or you can work smart you know I know for me for instance I'd rather have a player that can do you know successful things in a, in a, in a context nine, nine times out of ten and actually only do ten repetitions than actually get a success rate of 50% and do a thousand repetitions you know what I mean one hundred percent. I think as well. It's what are you trying to focus on? So, again, it's it's the quality of the experiences that we're creating for them. You can say that from a practice. You can say that from a match day environment. You know, match day obviously is random, right? It's a game. It's competition. But can we try and think about some of the problems that they'll or even opportunities for success for them individually as well as the team that we can try and manage. Often in games, there'll be a lot around match prep, which I, I understand, and they'll be designing for the team's success. But then, obviously, it's going that one step further around thinking about the individual repetition. So it could be, you know, this player needs to get more opportunities at receiving with uh, different types of pressure from behind in a 1v1. You know, are they going to get that in the position they're playing in now? Do they maybe you know if they need to work on that ability to get past people or twist and turn? How and we know that the opponent's got a certain strength or certain players or man marking strategies or whatever. Can we try and design for some of those? You know, obviously in practice, it's easier because you can manage the opposition to create the problems that you want to 
give to the players to have to figure out and solve. And there's definitely no right or wrong way. But it's just understanding, as you said, like even with repetitions, what's going to give them the best opportunity to, you know, sort of gain confidence in what they're doing through the struggle of the game and figure that out. But at the same time, allow for an opportunity where players can continuously grow. So through the repetitions of that practice or that problem or that scenario, they're discovering new solutions and they're stuff that they can transfer into the game that isn't necessarily working on a, a set pattern or a drill, which can break down when under pressure. But actually, you know, through the repetition, it's the, it's the quality of what they need, that quality of experience, because we've got to fight that forgetting curve, haven't we? So we can do millions of repetitions or we can do a quite an isolated practice or we can do whatever we do, but there's not a lot of quality taking place. But then by the end of that, we're looking at it and going, you know, how much has that player retained? How much have they been able to implement in their environments? And then have we revisited that from the previous episode, the previous game and the previous, you know, training session? So instantly, whenever we're doing something, you're fighting the forgetting curve, aren't you? You know, people are going to forget information. They're going to forget habits. So our duty is to try and design environments where we're going to be able to form good habits. And that will come through repetition, probably without repetition, you know, where they've got varied solutions to problems. And again, it's about the quality, isn't it? And what that quantity looks like for each individual will differ, and it should differ. You know, the demands for Tony based on his profile and and what his needs are will be very different to Keith, which will be very different to me, will be very different to Yaz. And that's a real difficult skill, isn't it, as a coach, is how do you sort of design for those problems? No, I think, I think it's a great point. I think one of the things that really jumps out to me there is that obviously that piece around remembering. And I think where a lot of coaches potentially could go wrong with the quality of their repetition is actually whether the repetition is coming from routine or recall. And what I mean by that is obviously you've got practices where you might do 15, 20 repetitions of something and then move to another type of repetition of some of a different, slightly different context. So whether the player might be five yards from the goal and or whether the player might be 10 yards from the goal, as an example, moving from one to the next to the next. Whereas I think what might be more effective and more challenging and more rewarding long-term, and it might look a bit messy to start with, is actually allowing the players to go through a process of recalling the context rather than remembering the context. And how you might do that is you might do two or three repetitions of one, mix it up with two or three repetitions of another, and that could be the change in the service, that could be changing the type of finish you want them to work with, changing the type of pressure they're going to be dealing with, but constantly changing that and actually maybe working with the players around a bit of self-awareness and understanding of actually what is actually the context they're facing at this present moment. And I think that might be, for me, where we now look at the quality of the repetitions rather than just the quantity, because it might actually be through that quantity piece that actually the, 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 the quality of the work can actually quite start to lack. I think, for me, where quantity might start to come into it is really looking at, right, what are we trying to focus on here? Is it the actual technique? Is it the context? Or is it actually maybe for players to become better at performing that technique and that in that context under maybe long-term fatigue? It might be over the course of a game that actually 90 minutes, they've been doing a lot of running, a lot of, a lot of you know, tracking back or a lot of whatever it is they might be doing, which might be physically exerting them. But actually now they've been called upon in the 90th minute to take a finish 
what can they do it when they're fatigued, not just where they're fully optimal in terms of their focus, their attention to detail, their physical capacity at that at that present moment. So I think there's different ways to kind of manufacture your practices and design to impact on those things. But I think for me, it would always be quality rather than quantity. And like you said, there is no black and white answer to this. There's no, it is a bit of a gray area. And I think it really depends on the needs of the individual that you're actually working with at that moment in time or the group of players that you're working with at that moment in time to really focus on, right, what is it that we're really working on? Is it just the context? Is it just technique? Or is it either actually might be low pressure, low context, but high quantity just to build confidence maybe? So I think there is a, there is a good blend of things that you kind of look at within this. It'd be really interesting to maybe get some examples of maybe how you've utilised it, Gerard, or if there's anyone else in the room that wants to kind of share some insights. Yeah, I think that'd be great. And equally at this point, you know, if, if anyone could retweet this, that'd be great. If you could share on your profiles, you know, the, this space and try and generate even more curiosity and more interest into the into the discussion. Because this is obviously our goal, which is not professor that we have all the answers because we don't, but together as a collective, we can sort of elevate curiosity and, and raise the standards of coaching, right? And I think there's an interesting point you make there about technique because some coaches will go to that nth extreme where it's repetition with repetition. It's let's just work on this in isolation. Even if there is some kind of interference, they'll be trying to work on this pattern or this ideal technique or whatever. But then the challenge then becomes that, you know, it's with this view that that's one solution perfected over time can be applied under varied situations that's not necessarily the case. Actually, we've got to... It's less about repetition, repetition, repetition. It's probably more about how can we design experiences where players are having to come up with their own adaptable solution under changing situations and and wrestle with that and just give them... Again, it's going back to like, what does the game tell us? What does the game look like? What's the What are the constants of the game? And the constants of the game are attacking, defending, and transitional moments. It's directional, includes opposition, there's interference, there's two goals, we attack one end, we defend the other. That's the game. So then it's thinking about even going one step further, Is there's the game, but then there's also their game. What does their game look like? Are their stage in development and even their profile and where they are? And how can we design those experiences that consider that and don't try to stay too far away from it? Because we could spend so much time designing environments or putting them under match conditions with this view that it's repetition, repetition. We're going to drill them hard. We're going to go for long periods of time, but actually we're just filling space. But that hasn't given them the ability to become adaptable. And we know that as a key quality, players have to make decisions on time, space, and number variations which change so yeah interesting and uh, i know there's a couple of requests which have popped up which is great and uh, i'm open to you know any questions or topics people want to ask yeah no really really important just before we go on to that uh, you know really just want to add on to a little thing what you just said there and it's looking at that quantity piece and really what is the context that we're working on are we really trying to isolate a particular technique which there's no right or wrong if we are going for that approach um, or are we trying to really enhance their ability to understand the context of the situation? Like you said, you know, regardless of the game that they're playing in, whether it's a small-sided 9v9, 11v11, or whatever age group, it might be a particular 
situation in their games that they might be challenged with. So, for instance, it might be that actually they struggle to get a finish off when the when the defender is pressing really hard. It might be they actually they they require a bit more pressure or a bit less pressure depending on how they, how their own individual needs kind of suit that. So maybe just while we're waiting for anyone else to get involved, there, Gerard, you know, just kind of look at it from a perspective of right. If we are looking at quality and quantity. What are some of the key considerations that you obviously you're making? Obviously, you touched on there a little bit about the game that they're playing, and you're obviously developing those experiences. But is there any is there any kind of constants that you kind of kind of keep in mind throughout any type of context you're working in? Yeah, there is. I've got. I know Tony's just opened his mic now. Hi, Tony. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thank you. Because you've got a wealth of experience in the game. It'd be interesting to see what your thoughts are on this particular topic. I know it's quite a broad one, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see your insight. Um, I mean, from from a personal perspective, um, I don't think that um, that I work particularly with a lot of repetition um, without actually thinking about it. But you know, making something a set number of reps or a set period of time, but there'll there'll always be repetition in in what I do. Now, having said that, when I was listening to you two guys at the start of the chat, it was interesting because when you, when we talk about repetition, I actually think that even when it's if it's just me and you passing a ball to each other, it's very very difficult to actually replicate something exactly every time because the bounce of the ball is different or where you strike the ball is different. And I sometimes think that there's a little bit of misconception around that because certainly it's a lot easier to to get repetition with, with obviously two people doing it. But as soon as you start to throw any sort of additional bodies in the way, changing the distance, then that element of repetition although you're still trying to achieve the same thing, it's always done with with different constraints. It's the, the ball bounces differently or the wind picks up or, or something along those lines. Tony, I think that's a fantastic point. It's something that I always talk about with a lot of coaches, a lot of groups that I'm in, in that fact that, you know, really treat repetition in its pure uh, sense. It's virtually impossible to re- kind of recreate. So even if you are, like you said, Baking a simple pass back and forth from one player, the slight, there's a slight difference whether that's a slight bounce, whether that's a, the even the, the slightest adjustment in the speed of the ball, whether that's actually the slightest angle difference, or whether, as a basic example, rather than being dead and dead straight down the line, it's actually one degree off, if that makes sense. And I, I think it's a really good point because I think it does go overlooked and you know sometimes understate how important those little minor details are. And just to kind of highlight, I don't think. If you know, if I, if, I, if there was one kind of underlying message to kind of give away for me on this one is that I don't think we should necessarily be focusing on a specific number. Um, obviously, we have to have a certain number of repetitions to kind of get some real effective practice in. Uh, what number that is, I don't know. Can it's, it's very much individualized and specific to the people that you're working with. But I think what's really key there is how well do they understand the actual context of what they're doing, and I don't want to call it a problem per se, but the actual task at hand. How well do they understand and, and 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 the differences that can be impacted on that? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, for me, what I guess the way that I've changed my my coaching a little bit, particularly in the last two or three years, is that I want as much as possible now everything to be game based. Now that's not to say that there can't be some kind of repetition within that. You know, the start point or the first pass is going to go to, you know. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This position or that position, but but that's because I'm looking to achieve particular outcomes. Now, I might do that several times within a game or within a practice where the, the start point is A to B. But whether it then goes from B to F or B to G or B to Z, I don't really care because that's it's at that point that the players have got to come up with the solutions. And as a coach, I've gone from kind of at the at the start of what I used to do, seeing everything through my eyes, to saying right, I've I've now got to see it through the player's eyes. What is the player seeing? What is the player thinking? He hasn't tried that particular pass in order to give the ball away, even if that's the outcome. So, I guess that's the way that I've moved away from repetition training, as as I guess most people would 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 think of it and one of the analogies that I use quite a lot and I've done it um, Thursday night with with my group of under 15s and 16s I, I talk about comparing practice to what the golfers do for example so a golfer will go on a range and hit 100 balls you know a player's never going to hit 100 passes but if he doesn't know how what what his body mechanics are required to hit a 20-yard pass along the ground, a 30-yard pass through the air, then he's never going to get any kind of consistency whatsoever. So there's going to be some repetition in there. It's how you get it out of the players. I love exactly what you said there. I just love the simplicity of your your answers. And one key message among many for me is how often do we look at what the player has seen and tapping into the perception of the player versus always imposing our belief or seeing it through our eyes because we often forget that they're the ones playing the game and we need to figure out what have they seen, what have they experienced I think that's a great shout from you Tony there and you know just comes on to some of the key messages you know can you get repetition but within without repetition is can you give them differences there will be times where it needs to be and how do they how do they form their own perfect solution brilliant I mean what's been I guess what have been some of your challenges, you know, obviously we've got a couple of requests now as well. We'll open it up as well. But just the last question, what have been some of your challenges with this? Have you, as you've gone into obviously managing coaches, trying to influence how coaches see the game and, and trying to share that message of using a game-based approach and understanding different constraints and so on. And, and even that last point there about trying to understand what the player's seen. Have you faced certain challenges with that or difficulties? And, and how have you, I guess, influenced coaches that are under you to, to, to try and adopt some of these approaches, Tony? Um, I, I think it's, it 
it's fairly easy if if coaches are open minded and if they if they can open up to the fact that ultimately the game is the game. It's like that the the old statement about um, either boxing or war, whichever one you want to. You know, everybody's got a plan until they first get punched in the face. Everybody's got a plan until the first bullets are fired. You know, once the game once the game is underway, as much as I want to shout from the sidelines or Pep wants to shout from the sidelines, the players are ultimately in charge of their own decisions. So I think the sooner coaches can accept and realise that, yes, you can you can influence and direct and joystick coach as much as you like during training. But if a player wants to cop a death and once a once the whistle goes, you're you're pretty powerless other than you know, using threats to drop them from the next game because they're not listening to what you say, I guess. Brilliant, well said. But I think, you no, know, Tony, you said some good points there. I think really looking at the perception of the player, and I you know it's interesting now you say you've only started to change that in the last couple of years, and, you know, that's after a wealth of experience prior to that. So I'm really curious to understand from your perspective also maybe what actually shifted your approach in that and where you started to think differently about doing it, things that way. Because there's a lot of coaches out there that, you know... <clears throat> do just go based on their own perceptions and you know I think very easy from the sidelines sometimes to look at what players have done and the decisions they've made and you know think why the hell have they done that or what what were they thinking there and just really rather than delving deeper and getting some insight around that actually just you know critiquing what's happened rather than questioning what's happened and really trying to understand more which I think is obviously going to be really key for a lot of coaches listening to this and obviously players that are going to be responding receiving that that, um, that approach sorry I think that it's it, in my own experience. It's just evolving as a coach. It's it's the acceptance that you might know a lot, but you don't know everything. Um, appropriate CPD, looking at other coaches and 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 looking at how they work. Um, I guess one of the things that um, for me, I, I don't think I've ever really had a mentor. Um, and and I've been doing this for twenty years now uh, around academy football, um, so I, I guess it's that it's that evolution. It's about reading, um, about being open to other forms of learning, not just reading about football, uh, and that's that's kind of why I am where I am now. It's that evolution of of the coach from from the uh, very dictatorial style, the command style coach, the stop, stand still. Um, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, into the, to the coach now who kind of, you know, I can still get quite vocal on the touchline, but ultimately I can't play the game for the players. So it's accepting that, um, that you can't do it all, that you, that you've got to step back sometimes, and and then the the players are going to have to learn as well that they stand or fall by the decisions that they make whilst the game's going on. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on there, Tony. I think it's really understanding that you know at, at some point it's just handing over the reins to the players and also just delving in and supporting them where best as possible. And I think sometimes you're right; it is standing back and actually just observing. And then other times that we need to just support them with some instructions or some uh, needed encouragement, if you like, from the sidelines. Um, but no, I really appreciate those thoughts and those insights. So, Dean, you got your you got your request there come through. 
um, if you want to share maybe a little bit about who you are and, and, and some of your insights on the topic so far. Evening, yes. Gerard, good to see you. Uh, amazing work you guys are doing. Following from a distance and having a listen, but thought I'd chime in. I won't really go on too much about kind of my experience, but just uh, going into what you've talked about, about repetition. And everyone that's here that's a coach will have worked with players that actually quite enjoy technical repetition and they'll have worked with players that, that hate it because they need that stimulation of a game situation, for example. So I think firstly, it's whatever group of players you've got, 10, 12, 14, 16, whatever age they are, finding those practices that stimulate across the board. And, you know, it's not that one one size fits all practice for everybody. But then for me, the biggest thing with this repetition element is do they understand why they're doing it and how does it fit into the game? You know, if you're doing a 4v2 plus one rondo, do they understand what the role is of the one in the middle and how that attracts the two? And for example, how that would link into playing out from the back against two centre forwards. And if you're playing a, a shorter rondo, maybe a four plus, you know, 4v2 straight box, then do they understand that actually, you know, the pass through the middle replicates the pass into a centre midfielder? And then the outside player in the rondo box represents a fullback releasing to join in. So that sort of repetition where you can hide it in practices and almost get that repetition without telling them that it's repetition, but then showing them some video relating it to the game, going back to the practice. And then if you have to leave that opposed practice and make it unopposed, always drilling down into the fact that it's the fine detail with the technique what time do they arrive? Are they coming in late to play off one touch? Are they coming in early to get their body open? What's their relationship with the ball and the player that they're receiving from and where the ball's going? Because I think a lot of the repetition practices where it's just passed from A to B to C, run from A to B or C, uh, coaches just allow players to get away with bad habits, like you mentioned earlier. And there's not that correction, what foot, what timing, the tempo of the pass, where's your touch going? How's your body orientation? Are there any scans or checks as you come in? How open is your body? Where's your touch going forwards, backwards and why? And then linking that back into the rondo, then back into the game. And like you were talking about with the, with the, you know, the unforgetting curve, making sure that you're revisiting that. Like Tony mentioned, it goes like A to B, then A to G, then A to F. Then you're coming back to A, then to C, then back to A. And you're just constantly going back and reaffirming the learning. And it's not, I see a lot of curriculums in my role at Double Pass when I go into academies. You know, they do a topic in week one, then they revisit that topic in week eight, and then they revisit that topic in week 15. But it's almost like you're going back to, to, to square one again. So it needs to be, you know, week one, week three, drip it again in week four, hide it in another practice in week five, go back to it in week seven, hide it in another practice in week nine, where it's a different topic, but they still get the reps. So I think just that blended approach across uh, is, is the, way that, the way that I've seen it be most successful. I, I love that, Dean. Great. That's a great shout. And thanks for sharing. I think there's loads of top stuff there. I don't know what Yaz wants to conclude on, but for me, absolutely brilliant. I think anyone listening, I'd probably encourage them to check out and have a look into what spiral curriculums look like, where you can con continuously revisit messages over time. And that's almost what you're, well, pretty much what you're describing there. And I love that word hiding it, like how you can hide stuff in the content but you you're revisiting key messages forming habits is a is a big one isn't it in terms of how we form habits and design these learning experiences to develop good habits rather than how often do we design practices that are decontextualized from the game 
And actually, all they're doing is encouraging the players to form bad habits. And we're training habits that we don't want to see or we wouldn't want to see on a game day. So it's definitely it's creating a, a great discussion around can coaches relook back at what do you do when in relation to quality and, and quantity, how much of it is having an impact on the players and, and that being a key word. Is it effective and is it efficient? And yeah, I think there's some really key messages over that we've discussed today. And obviously thank you to everyone who shared. I don't know if Yaz wants to add anything onto that before we wrap yeah. up. Yeah, I think you know Dean obviously some great points, and I think you know we've worked together in the past, and I think you know, one of the key things I can say is obviously you're very focused around the technical stuff, and I think you made a great point right at the start of what you said there. And some players like the technical stuff, some players don't, but I think it's really important to also understand that some players sometimes just like the technical stuff because it is all they know in terms of an approach and is what they're used to doing. And I think another really key piece of what you said there about hiding some of the message in the, in the future future weeks and parts of the syllabus actually goes to something that I talk about quite a lot with a lot of coaches and it's that actually every practice you design should be multifunctional in the sense that just because you're working on finishing this week, actually whatever you're working on, there is a, there's a, it's a spectrum. There's something on the opposite end of that. So if we're working 1v1 defending as an example, actually no, you're also working 1v1 attacking. So I think it's, you know, one of the top line considerations really to kind of make off the back of what you've said there, Dean, is that coaches need to start thinking, right, the practice that I'm designing what happens on the other side of the coin? What is that? What is, what's the expectation there? And then you've actually then, for, for a lot of coaches who maybe haven't yet thought about this, it's you can use the same practices, just, you know, the way I look to look at it is shift in the spotlight. The show is still the same. The show is still going on. But actually, rather than looking at the main character, we're looking at some of the sub-characters around it. And then next week, those sub-characters become the main character. And just looking at it from that perspective, so the practices are never changing. The expectation in terms of what the players are doing isn't any different. We're just now focusing on some others rather than the, some that we were focusing week one. We're now focusing them a bit more on week two and so on and so forth. So, you know, really, really good stuff there, Dean. Um, just, you know, just, just a final one before we kind of look to wrap up. I know, Johnny, you, you, you put your hand up there to kind of join in and just want to share a bit of insight around your thoughts. Yeah, um, I just wanted to share a quick story I got. I got a phone call from a friend about, I don't know, 18 months ago who was in at Rangers Academy at the time working with Graham Murray and he was doing a repetitive passing practice and he said he let it just happen for 10 minutes, never said a word and he brought the boys in and asked how many of them were chasing their 10 and what he meant was who is trying to be 10 out of 10 in this practice and I've used that in almost every session since at some point, whether it's to the group or to the individual. And I just thought it would fit in quite well, just as a wee point of, are you chasing your 10 or not? No, and I think, I think that's a great point as well, Johnny, because I think really and truly what we're doing sometimes now is we're getting players just to go through the repetitions and never actually just looking at what does a 10 look like for them. So I think that's a really key point. And, you know, on that, I think it's just really worth highlighting that we come back to the initial point that Tony made we had, we need to look at things from the player perspective we need to understand what they associate with the context what they what they appreciate as in, as the vital factors and considerations within each given practice each given context each technique they're applying within the, within the session so that we can really think about right what are the, some of their super strengths where are they maybe chasing their 10s and where are they not even recognising that a 10 could be chased if that makes sense but more importantly what a 10 looks like for that individual um Yes, can I just add a little bit on that yeah, as well? Yeah, go for it, man. Go for it. Because that's a great point from Johnny. It just reminded me of a, of a presentation that 
psychologist came in and gave to a group of players that I was working with when they were asking, you know, who turns up at training and works at a 10? And a lot of them were like putting their hands up saying, oh, you know, I work at a seven. And then he was giving the example that if you're a winger and you're playing at a seven and you're playing against a fullback, then that allows them to succeed if they're playing at a seven or an eight and they go away from training feeling like they've done a great job. But when they get to the weekend and they play against someone in a competitive game who wants to be a 10, then suddenly their seven or eight's not good enough. And when you work in an academy setting, sometimes the players are so focused on their own goal of becoming a professional or moving on to the next age group that they don't appreciate the value of their teammates and how they need their teammates to improve or the value of them turning up and being a 10, like Johnny said, and the knock-on effect of that. If you've got 100% of your players that are trying to be a 10, then everybody's going to improve. But if you've got half and half where people are just happy to be a five or a six, maybe because the practice doesn't suit them, maybe because they're having a bad day, maybe because they're just that player that maybe doesn't give as much in training as they do in a game, really emphasising to the players the importance of the knock-on effects and how that basically just throws their teammates, their team, the coach, the curriculum, the game model, whatever you want to call it, under the bus. Uh, unless they're unless they're coming there with that ten mentality, which I think is a great point from Johnny, and I think you're spot on as well, Dean. And I think just to kind of add to that, it's just really looking at being realistic in not just as a coach but as a player, and recognise that you're not always going to get to your ten, but it's the intent that matters. And I think the key the key message to kind of go into any situation with is, can I have my best session today? Can I have my best game today? And sometimes your best game on that day might be a six or seven, and maybe not necessarily a ten, and actually then. Beyond that, just a consideration to make for coaches and players is also to understand is why was I able to become a 10 in the last game, but maybe not in this one? What were the, what were the individual differences? What were, the, what were maybe some of the changes that were different around my own routines or around how the opposition particularly played? Or like you said there, Dean, you might have a fullback that actually he wants to have he wants to get on a 10 today. And if you're going in there with the mentality of, right, I'm only going to be a six or seven and I'm ha- and, and, and that's your intent, to reach a six or a seven, then you're always going to get beat. Even if the other guy's 10 is the equivalent of what your seven or eight could be, if that makes sense. So I think there's some really, really, really great points there across, you know, everyone that's kind of chimed in there. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that has obviously, you know, shared their insights, shared their thoughts. And just a quick reminder, guys, you know, that, you know, every single week, myself and Gerard are are hosting these Twitter spaces um, live here, 8 p.m. GMT at least anyway. Um, so, you know, if you've got any questions and you want to get involved in any of the conversations, please feel free to kind of do so. Follow us. Let us know your thoughts. If you've got any questions that you want to kind of throw out there as topics for the future, then please do let us know as well. Gerard, over to you, man. No, really looking forward to it. Great interactions from everyone. Thank you so much. And uh, don't want to take up any more of the, the Easter Sunday. Thank you. Have a great Sunday. See you soon. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.